Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. And uh, we're going to be reading together. So if you will stand to your feet here this Sunday morning, let's just corporately get together and let's get focused in this time. It's exciting to go through the book of Hebrews and, and we do have a book reference for you. We have books at the Connection Center. If you want to go a little bit deeper into the study with us, we have got books for you in the back. They're not anything we're going to make a profit off of. They're at cost. We're selling them to you the same price we bought them for. I think it's $10. But it's a very good book. It expands more. It expounds more on the book of Hebrews. And it's going to be a blessing to you. You're going to learn. You're going to grow. And we're going to grow together. So in this epistle, this letter... An epistle is not the wives of the apostles. An epistle is a letter. Uh, it's one letter. Remember, every bit of the scriptures that you read have been written in letter format, but the, the authors or those that transcribed it put numbers and verses for references. But it's still one letter. So the letter to the, to the Hebrews, it's it's really going to be beneficial for you to get a good foundation in this first lesson. I'm going to read you the scripture, then I'll go back and hit some of that, and then we're going to go over this together, and you can take notes. Remember, you've got a blank spot inside the booklet for you to take notes and write down what God is speaking to you as well, and it'll bless you. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 4 and 6. The scripture says, and I'm reading out of the New King James, having become so much better than the angels, speaking of Jesus, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they, they being the angels. For to which of his angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all, read this with me, let all the angels of God worship him. Let all the angels of God worship him. The, subtec- the subtitle for today's Uh, lesson is going to be, if the angels worshiped him, so so should we. If the angels worship him, so should we. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship isn't just one act that we do twice a week or once a week when we come to church. Worship actually takes place throughout our life, what we do, how we serve, what our purpose is. And our purpose is to live for Jesus Christ and to give him all of our heart. How many of you love to worship him? How many of you love to worship God? That's half of you. That's some of you. That's How many of you love to worship him? He is so worthy. Can you bless the service today? Will you pray? Come on, lift up your hands. Lift up, stretch out your your hands and lift your voice. For those of you watching online, be a part of this right now. We ask you to bless it. Father, in Jesus' name, have your way today. God, we receive it. 
We receive your words. We ask you for the wisdom and the simplicity to transfer, God, this knowledge and, and give understanding. And let the anointing be here, God. And we pray that you get all the credit for it today. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen. Turn around to somebody before you're seated and tell them, wake up, you're in church. And you can be seated. The supremacy of Christ is the issue or the, the point in this first book, our first chapter. And it really references Jesus being higher than the angels. And you have to understand the, the context of, of why they address this to the Hebrews. When the letter was written, most writers and most scholars and commentaries will, will agree that they believe that Paul had influence in these writings and others believe it was other people. But according to the style that was written, most agree that it was Paul. That's still up for debate. We're not talking about that. The actual subject matter is, is that he was writing to Hebrews. And so being Hebrew, they still had, when you read the letter, we're going to find out through this whole semester that some of the Hebrews were still offering sacrifices. Uh, some of them were still holding on to the law and so to tradi tradition. And it's so good to see all of you here coming back to church. Every, how many, doesn't it feel good to be in church? That's a privilege, folks. And, and so when you look at this, the Hebrews had a certain method that God had given to them, if you will. In, in, in the book, in the Old Testament, they had angels deliver the message. When, when God would deal with his people, he always sent a messenger. And so angels were always the ones that were representing God, and they were the ones that were sent on God's behalf. The Hebrews knew this, and they were accustomed to this. So when you see the opening of the letter, beginning with Christ being higher than the angels, the, the purpose for this writing is so the church, the Hebrew church, would recognize that when they heard and saw Jesus, some of these men and people had the Lord himself like he did in many occasions in the scripture, Jesus appeared to Paul. How many of you remember that on the road to Damascus? How many of you remember Jesus appearing to Peter many times, especially in the 10th chapter of the book of Acts. And so when Jesus would appear to the Hebrews, uh, the writer was trying to be specific about his place in the kingdom. And he was trying to convey the message that Jesus wasn't an angel. Jesus wasn't an angel or just a messenger. Jesus was the Son of God. And so he emphasizes this. And he begins, if you read Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, you'll read a little bit closer and say, and it says that God, who at various times and various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. He spoke to them by the prophets. But now, in these last days, by he has spoken to us by his Son, in whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he has also made the worlds. Putting emphasis that Jesus Christ wasn't just somebody, 
or anybody. He was the Son of God, and not just that, but all the entire framework of the world was created by him. John chapter 1 also references this. When you read the Gospel of John, he, he began to express this, that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God, or the Logos of God, the plan of God. And then the verse 14 says, and the Word, or the plan, became flesh, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Say with me, grace and truth. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So it's very evident that they're trying to make a distinction between Jesus and the angels. Why? Because in the Hebrew mind, you have to recognize not only were they stuck on the law, not only were they still wrestling with old tradition, but they still had to get used to a new dispensation. And what Jesus would address or speak to them or show them in a vision, they need to recognize that wasn't an angel, that wasn't their servant, he was actually their God. He was actually higher than that. In fact, when you do read prophets in the Old Testament like Isaiah, Isaiah talks about Christ as well. And in one portion of his writings, he talks and says that there's going to be one that cometh and, and the, the government shall rest upon his shoulders and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. All but saying his name and we know it was Jesus Christ. Christ not being his last name but identifying how the Spirit would work in his life, referencing Jesus as the Anointed One. That's what Christ means, Anointed One. And so now we look at this, and now he starts to identify him. And now the prophets are just giving direction for everyone. And the prophets knew, they knew what was to come. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about they knew and sought for a city whose builder and maker was God. But now that Jesus came into the world, now that he revealed himself as the Son of God, now he presented himself to the world, he really caused a lot of confusion for some people that were stuck on tradition. In some places, he would pray for people. He would heal people on the Sabbath. He would, he would tell people, your sins are forgiven you. This really caused the problem because the Scripture says it in the Old Testament that only God can forgive sins, and there is no Savior beside God himself. But Jesus came into the world as God. They didn't know it yet. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't an angel. But he was the Father incarnate in human flesh, speaking through the sonship of his Son. Now, it sounds confusing, but just think about this. God is here right now with us, and there's probably about 20 more churches in town that I'm sure he's there with them. There are people in this time zone from right now to Texas up to Chicago that are experiencing God's presence and anointing because he's omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. He's everywhere at one time. Well, your God is so great. Our God is so great. While he was as representing the Father, representing the Father, he has still expressed himself through the Son and also emanated himself through the Holy Spirit. And so our God is one. He can be at all places at one time. We're not getting into deeper theology and the aspect of God de God's deity. But the Son of God in human flesh was inhabited by the Father, by the Spirit of the Father. 
when in fact he forgave sin, that's what the issue was because only the Father could forgive sin. And so they had a controversial uh, little, little moment and, and, and they said to him, who can forgive sin but God? But Jesus looked at a man that was lame in his bed and he said, because you have an issue with me forgiving sin, I'm going to prove to you that what I say God and our heaven validates. So he said to the sick man, take up your bed and walk. And so he did. He saw the miracle. They saw the miracle. It validated that prior to his saying this, he had said, Father, forgive them or your sin is forgiven. The issue was his authority to forgive, not to heal. But the healing validated the forgiveness. How many of you understand that? He validated it. If you don't believe I forgave, well, I'm going to do this. Maybe that will validate and help you understand that I didn't come here just to heal the sick, open the blind eyes, see people get delivered. I came to be a savior. I came to save you. And in that, they thought that their enemy was the Roman Empire and the government that they were under. But that wasn't their, their enemy. Come to find out the true enemy that was there was their own mindset and religious thinking in their own flesh themselves. He came to save us from our sins, not from a government. But he would put a government inside of us, and he would carry that government on his shoulders, and we call that government the kingdom of God. How many of you are grateful for the kingdom of God? That's where the king reigns. And so one of the disciples said to him, Jesus, show us the Father after his resurrection. Show us the Father and we'll, it says it in the King James, we'll be, we'll be suffice. Oh, we'll be satisfied. But Jesus looked at Philip and said, Philip, how can you say show us the Father? Have I long time been with you and you don't know me yet? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How say it then? Show us the Father. In other words, Jesus was saying, when you see me, you see the representation and the express image of who the Father is. And he's in me. That's why Jesus says the words that I speak are not my own, but they're my Father. I have had so many people throughout the years tell me, I don't know who to pray for or pray to. I've had people literally were confused and said to me, I, I, I spent a little time talking to the Father. I spent a little time talking to the Son. I spent a little time talking to the Holy Ghost because I don't want to make them jealous. Let me help you. Let me help you, okay? The Scripture says that there is only one, say it with me, one mediator. That's like saying one advocate, say one advocate, one that is going to intercede for us to the Father, and that's Jesus Christ. One that will go to Calvary and pay the price, and that was Jesus Christ. One that will give his blood and represent everything heaven had in store for us, and that was Jesus Christ. He was called the Lion of the tribe of Judah, but also in his humanity, he was called the Lamb of God. On his father's side, he was the Lion. On his mother's side, he was the Lamb. On his father's side, he was hungry. 
On his father's side, he was satisfied with spiritual food, but on his mother's side, he was hungry and he had to fast. There were two attributes that Jesus had, and the Hebrews needed to get this down, that although he came into this world, he was more than this world perceived him to be. He was God in the flesh. He was Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, expressed through Jesus Christ. He was the God who provides all of our needs, incarnate in human flesh. Jehovah Jireh, my God, provides. He was the expression of the God of the Old Testament in the New Testament. So point number one, we have to know the scripture says that God is speaking to us now through his son. But what is God trying to tell us now? What is God trying to tell us now? Here's what I believe the message is when you read the book of Hebrews. The message is this, that in the Old Testament, according to how they were living under the law, that there were restrictions and they would fall because they could not fulfill the word of God. They would not measure up. There, were, there weren't enough animals to save them for a lifetime. The process was tedious. The process was strenuous. The process was minimal at best to try to find the right animal. But nonetheless, God said, and he laid, it, laid the guidelines down and gave them provision. And God took care of them. And there were sacrifices that went on around the clock. And there was blood that was shed. But the blood of ghosts and the ashes, ashes of a heifer weren't strong enough as it would be like the blood of Jesus. But one drop of his blood was sufficient for everything in the New Testament. And everything that the Hebrews went over and went under and had to deal with in the Old Testament, God now took care of that through his wrath. He put wrath on his son who knew no sin. They messed up in the Old Testament and the ground opened up at one time when they made a golden calf and he sent a swarm of quail and they ate it to their own death by their gluttonous act, and then they would have judgment come on them for their, their sin. But now God said they just, they just need help. <laughs> they can't do this. Now the prophecy said that now he would put his law inside of our hearts and cause us to walk in it cause us to obey it, want to live for him. So God sent his son into the world and all the wrath of God came on Jesus Christ who knew no sin as the Lamb of God. So now the message is this, when God is talking to us through the body, through prayer, through the Bible, through your relationship with him, the, 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 the message is this, I am not going to judge you for your sins anymore. You just ask me for forgiveness and it's done because what happened to my son is good enough. And he's not just a man. He's not just a prophet. He's not an angel or a messenger. He is a sacrificial lamb, my son, that I gave for the sacrifice. Where Abraham fell short in offering Isaac, God came through and offered up Jesus for all of us here. That that's what the message is. That's what the message is. 
the message is is that I'm not mad at you because I took all of that out at Calvary. I took all of that on at Calvary. I took my anger out at Calvary. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna destroy you. I put all of that anger at Calvary and everything. The cross is what stands between us and judgment. But the Hebrews were stuck in old tradition, old methods and systems, ways of thinking. Now they had to understand the supremacy of who Christ really was. What's amazing to me is that you and I, you, you might have some Jewish descent. You, you, you may, you may. I don't know everyone here that if they do or they don't, but I do know that most of us are Gentiles. And a Gentile, if you weren't a Jew, you were a Gentile. You were outside of the dispensation of salvation according to the law. But because of what Jesus did, he broke down the middle wall of partition. And on the day that Jesus gave up his life, and the day that Jesus breathed his last breath, the scripture says that in the temple, the, the, the veil was torn into two from top to bottom, where the holy of holy was. And that was symbolic, saying that there is no longer a division between those who were privileged to go into the holy place and those in him that was in it. The high priest would go into the holy of holies and the priest would enter into the holy place. But now Jesus has made us both kings and priests and now we have communion with the high priest. He is the one set in the order of Melchizedek, the one who walked into the holy place and he put his spirit inside of us. And now the spirit that's inside of us intercedes for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. But he that searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is. And when he can pray through you, that's what happens when you pray in the Spirit. When you're praying in the Spirit, the Spirit of Christ is interceding through you, through the Holy Spirit. And God is now saying things through you that you don't know what to pray for. You don't know how to ask for. You don't know what to fight for. You don't know how to defend yourself. But the angels are working on your behalf because they're listening to Jesus. And Jesus is higher than the angels. And the angels have to obey his word. Is anybody getting this message today? You got to get a hold of it and know that even you and your salvation made you an heir to the throne of Christ. <laughs> it made you an heir, royalty to the throne. And the scripture says that we are seated with him in heavenly places. How? Because he gave you not just his mercy, but his spirit of grace. And the spirit of Christ abides inside of you. And you're connected with him in the spirit. And your position in this earth is, are you ready? Even above angels. See, here's the difference. Angels... Uh, point number two, let me, let me move on. Point number two, angels are commanded to worship, but he gave us a choice. 
That's point number two. See, the difference between us and angels is this. Angels do not understand the redemptive work of Calvary. They do not. Angels cannot be forgiven. Even when they do wrong, that's how Lucifer and a third of the angels were cast down because he rebelled against God and sought himself, thought himself to be God. God judged him and cast him down. Angels are judged by their disobedience. We, through our disobedience, are forgiven and we're judged by the blood of Jesus in our life. That's what makes us innocent before the presence of God. See, the moment that you say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins, it's done whether you believe it or not. God said, it's enough for me because I remember the day that he was on the cross. I was there in Pilate's Hall when he was going through the lashings. I was there, and not only there, I was in him, and I felt every one of them slice his back. you got to understand this. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, so he experienced everything yet without sin, and he knew that's why we have not another high priest who can be moved with the feelings of our infirmities. That's when you feel bad, when you feel down, when you feel hurt, he feels it with you, and he's there with you because he has been in your place he has walked on this earth. But here's the good news. Jesus went to the cross, was put in the grave, but came out of the grave and walked on the earth and went down to hell, came out of hell, and then ascended up to heaven and poured his spirit out. That's what makes him unstoppable. You have an unstoppable God inside of you that caused the shots that says, thus saith the Lord. And when the word of the Lord comes out of you, when God speaks through you, when you have submitted your thoughts and your heart and your mind to him, that's when the God of glory can speak through your life. And that's when angels have to obey the voice of God. Not your voice, but the voice of God inside of you. Are you catching that? Are you watching? If, you can, if you're listening to this online, say amen. Give us an Amen. If you can catch this, what I'm trying to tell you is, it's greater is he that's in you than him that's in the world. Angels don't know about redemption like you have. Angels cannot be forgiven. Angels are judged. In fact, they don't even have the privilege of feeling the joy they're just in the presence of joy because of your redemption. Look at this. Luke chapter 15, verse 10. Likewise, I say to you, there is what? Joy in the what? Presence of who? Angels of God. Did it say that angels rejoice, are, jo are joyful? Other translations may try to identify the joy with the angels, but it says in this scripture, it says, 
That's why I stay close to the King James and go to the New King James, and I reference other scriptures. I don't go too far away from it because it gets watered down as you go away from new translations. I think every translation is very beneficial for you. I think it helps you understand the scripture. But when you're looking into word study, it's very good to stay as close as you can to the original context of the scripture. Since we're in semesters now and we're going through some lessons, I want to be a good teacher and tell you that stay as close as you can to the original translations. God will help you understand the Bible. The Spirit of God will help you understand it. But here's what I'm trying to share, share with you. Right here is this. There is joy in the presence of angels, of the angels of God, over one center, sinner that repents. So when one of us falls to our knees and says, God, forgive me. The joy that the angels are in is the joy of the Lord. He is the one that has the joy. And the angels just have the privilege of being in the presence of him who has the joy. But guess who else gets to experience that joy since they have the spirit of God inside of them? Come on, somebody. How many of you have ever felt the joy of the Lord in your life? You know, the reason why some people can't have, they don't have joy is because they don't have peace. And the reason why they don't have peace is because they've never really experienced re the redemptive power of God. Let me break it down for you. You can write this in your notes. The redemptive power of God gives you peace of mind, peace of heart, and peace of in your spirit. God's redemption, which is forgiveness, brings peace of mind and peace of heart. That's what the peace of God comes in. When you trust him as well and you rely on the redemptive work of the cross, that's for peace of mind. But it's hard to have joy if you have no peace. Hard to have joy when there is no peace. Peace precedes your joy. That means that you have a calmness, a confidence. The redemptive work has established itself. When a sinner comes to God, one of the very first things that they'll feel is the peace and the love of God. That's what happens. It's natural. Then you'll see some joy because the rejoicing is the God inside of them rejoicing because of what just took place. That's why the scripture says it is joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. Hard to describe. I can't tell you exactly what it is. All I know is my spirit is going up and down on the inside because God must be happy about this. When God is happy about it, I feel better about it too. You can feel witness in your spirit when God begins to direct your steps. But here's what it boils down to. Here's the call of Hebrews to the Hebrews in this letter. God requires two things from people who worship him. Two things. Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. There was a woman who, who Jesus met in Samaria in the fourth chapter of the Gospel of John. And there was question about the geographical location of where 
they should worship God. Because she said, you said that we should worship on this mountain or that mountain. But Jesus stopped her. John chapter 4, verse 23. He said, but the hour is coming and now is. That means it's at hand. That means it's fixing to transpire right now because I'm here. When the true, everyone say true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. You mean God is looking for worshipers all day, baby, all day, all day. In spirit and in truth. When you have the spirit of Christ in your life, it comes through redemption. Remember, the Holy Spirit is a pure spirit. That's why he's called holy. Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can only go in holy places. And the only thing that makes things holy is the blood. So when the blood has been applied in your life through forgiveness, the Spirit of God now, is, now has a place to abide. And when you've received the Spirit, you've received sincerity and passion and desire and heart, the heart of God. But when the knowledge of God comes into your life, it is validated by the Spirit of God. Just like Elizabeth when she had John in her womb and Mary walked into the room and the womb of Elizabeth began to leap for joy, right? Joy was leaping inside of her because Mary walked in and the baby that was in the womb bear witness to the spirit that Mary had and what was inside of her womb. There was a confirmation there, and the most powerful prophecy came out of Elizabeth's mouth. One of the things she said was, Mary, Mary, holy is the fruit of your womb. Blessed are you among women. You're blessed because what's inside of you is more powerful than you can ever or ever would have anticipated. Inside of you is the redemptive work, the plan of God, the baby, the Lamb of God that's going to save the whole world from their sins. And one day, those babies got older, and they started to minister. And one day, the one that got happy in the womb was doing ministry and saw Jesus walking up to get baptized by him. They were cousins by relation. And then he looked at Jesus and said, and prophesied and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes the sins away from the world. He was still excited about who he was. I'm telling you that there is a witness in the Spirit and the truth will come out. So when you worship the Father, you've got to know what the truth is. Here's the truth. You're not just somebody. You're a child of God. There's the truth. Here's the truth. You're not a sinner. You're a saint because the blood has washed you from your sins. That's a truth. Statement right there. Here's another truth. You need to worship God. 
God because you are forgiven by God and you are worthy to worship God and you don't have to be smart, you don't have to be rich, you don't have to be fly, you can be forgiven and step into the presence of God and there's angels there that are looking in saying, man, I wish I had what they had. I wish I can do what they do, but they can't. But you've got a privilege because you can worship him with gratitude as a son of God in spirit and truth because you have a special place with God. Let all the true worshipers say amen this Sunday morning. Am I in the right church? Did you not hear what I just said? I said you're above the angels because Jesus is above the angels. I said you have a special place to worship God because of who's inside of you and what he's done. And the truth is, is that we don't worship angels. We, I don't care about seeing an angel. If I do, fine. I am more intact with seeing the Father. I want to see Jesus face to face. I want to worship him. I want to sing my praises to him. I want to stand and lift my hands and give him some praise. Can somebody give God some praise in this house? Come on, lift up your voice. Stand to your feet. Somebody give him some praise. Thank you, Jesus. I feel the spirit of God. The anointing was so strong here this Sunday morning. This wasn't just a, 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 a flame or a flicker that's going to just uh, go out soon after service. This is the liveliness of the stones of God. <laughs> this is the Spirit of God moving in our lives. You can feel Him. You can feel Him. And when you worship Him in spirit and truth, you see, I feel Him right now because I'm giving truth out. There's a witness in my spirit. That's why I feel like jumping up and down. That's why I feel like getting excited because it's not me, but it's the something and the someone inside of me just going up and down. There is something inside of you that wants to set you free. There is someone inside of you that wants you to recognize that you have been privileged to worship him. In closing thoughts, here's the closing thoughts for your booklets. A heart filled with his spirit and his truth is what God wants from you. A heart filled with his spirit and his truth is what he wants. The truth will set you free. And he that the Son has set free is free indeed. Now let's just lift up our hands in this, in this reverent moment. In this moment of worship. We love you, Jesus. We know who you are, what you've done. You're not an angel. You're not a messenger, Father. You're not, you weren't just a prophet. You were the prophet of prophets, the apostle of apostles, the evangelist of evangelists. You were the good shepherd and pastor of our lives. You gave your life. We know, God, whom we worship. We know whom we worship. <laughs> we don't worship God of a place. We don't worship, Father, a location. We worship a God 
who abides inside of us, who, who knows our every move, who knows our every thoughts, who knows our wonderings, our beginnings, our endings today. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, I feel a yearning on the inside. So I wish somebody else would just lean into him right now. Just lean into his presence right now. It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. It doesn't matter. Just lean into his presence right now. <laughs> oh, Lord, we love you. Oh, Lord, we love you. Oh, renew our hearts. Renew the fire on the inside. Renew, God. Renew our faith. Renew it, Father. Renew it today. Fill us with the Holy Ghost, God. Fill us with your presence. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our sins. If you've not given your life to Jesus, do it right now. Tell him, Lord, be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins, Father. I, I ask you to wash me and cleanse me. Today, be the Lord of my life. Today, be the God of my salvation. Today, dear God, you're in a place higher than the angels. You're in a place, God, higher than the angels. We worship you today. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.